Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We got to out-block them. We got to out-tackle them. We got to out-hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out-block them, you out-tackle them, you out-hit them, and you out-hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. Welcome in to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition, the second edition of Bowl Week, I suppose. I'm A.J. Hoffman, joined as I am always joined for these college football extravaganzas by my dear friend, Scott Seidenberg. Hello, Scott. I tried to opt out of this podcast, but they wouldn't let me. I noticed that I got your I got the letter of intent that you were transfer you were in, moving into the transfer portal and uh, I, I said well <laughs> you're gonna have to play in this game buddy we don't have a uh, we don't have a backup so not uh, much to but how could you believe me anyway I, even if I did say I was opting out you know what and so let's let's pull the curtain back a little bit as we record this on Tuesday night and we are recording as we are watching UTSA take on Marshall in a game that at the beginning of today I had a whole pile of CLV Scott I I bet early at minus nine I said this is a dumb number uh, let me get that and went all the way up to 13 some 13 and a half started to pop and then as the day went on 12 11 10 and a half nine and a half what's happening here Back to nine. Oh, Frank Harris is not going to play. Well, they, no, they didn't say that right away. They said Frank Harris is doubtful. And then it kept going, snowballing. And eventually it's like Marshall plus seven. Like, what has happened here? Frank Harris allegedly had a shoulder injury that he suffered in the two-lane game. No one, I mean, he came back and finished that game, but no one knew that that was an issue anymore. And I wonder why they didn't know, Scott. Could it be because Frank Harris sat at a podium yesterday and said, I can't to play, I can't wait to play with my brothers one last time? Like, possibly, yeah. Frank Harris is a liar, is, is all that we, I mean, that's all it is. Frank Harris is a liar. And now Cade McNown's son is out there trying his damnedest to, uh, to keep keep me from cursing up a storm, uh, but this is this is what you've got to deal with, and this is why, man. Any kind of substantial wagers you're making on bowl games this year, it, it's part of the risk. And I, I certainly feel a lot better about the the wagers that I've made for the Alabama uh, and and uh, Texas Washington, like those games, the Alabama Michigan and Texas Washington. I feel better about those than any other bets because. I mean, earlier today, Jared Verse, he opts out of their bowl game. You know, one of Florida State's best defensive player just says, no, I'm not playing either. You never know. But at least he's got the courtesy to tell us, you know, a week and a half before his game. Whereas Frank Harris, you find out uh, 30 minutes before the game, he knew he wasn't playing, yet he sat there and lied to us. I, I don't understand. There's got to be some way to keep this in check. I, I don't know what it is. I, I get the gamesmanship of, you know, you don't want your opponent to know who you're, uh, who, who, who to prepare for, but also if it's an exhibition game, 
who gives a shit who they prepare for, right? Uh, honestly, if, it, if it's so it, unimportant that Frank Harris is just going to decide not to play, then, then why, is, why is it important at all? This, this is the thing that gets to me. Um, bowl games are no better than preseason games. And you hear so many people that are like, oh, I, I, I don't bet preseason NFL football because you, I don't even know who's going to play or what's going to happen. You're betting on backups. But yet, Everyone wants plays on bowl games, and it's like, uh, how how do you handicap these games? It's almost impossible. We try our best here on this podcast with the information that's given, but when a guy sits at the press conference, talks about playing in the game, and then we find out on game day that he's not playing, that throws a wrench in everything. How could you even just trust it? I mean, let's go back to the game, the Western Kentucky Old Dominion game. We're told, well, Austin Reed's not playing. Backups mm-hmm. in the transfer portal. He's not playing. It's third stringer. Okay. Third stringer comes out, starts the game. He struggles. Guess what? Backup quarterback comes in. Well, why wasn't he available the whole time? <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's just, it's crazy. That And uh, again, this is, uh, it, it's a crapshoot, man. These are exhibition games. They, these games do not count. When I mean, Listen, I don't want to sound like the old man, but when we were kids, these games mattered a lot and everybody wanted to get these get these wins. I think the thing should be you don't get a swag bag if you don't win. They should give them <laughs> so all the like the PS5s hard, yeah. and shit after yeah, the bowl game. That's a good game. idea. Or they, they, or what you, they should do is what my proposal is. Everyone's like, you know, celebrating Chip Kelly for his proposal to save college football. You know, my proposals would have saved college football years ago. And it's it's something that a uh, former podcast host uh, and, and NFL scout Chris Landry and I talked about all the time. And it was pick the college football playoff after the bowl games. And you just use the bowl games to have these out-of-conference matchups to pin these teams against each other. The bowl games then become essentially your expanded playoff field. You could just pick two teams at the end of the bowl games and and have a national championship. The the problem is that wouldn't help us with the UTSA Marshall matchup, unfortunately. No, Um, no. You know, but it would would make for more meaningful bowl games. But it's just a mess. I don't know what the fix is, but whatever. Just uh, so whatever, whatever we talk about on this pod... Uh, like I, and that's the other thing I want to say, Hey, get your bets in early. I haven't bet a new bowl game in like a week and a half because I got all my bets in early and I've been feeling great because as these go, as these weeks have gone on, I'm like, dude, I, I smashed the market here, but then it doesn't matter. That's, that's the thing. So it's either Mm -hmm. play early and get the, the, the better number or wait until the last minute when you've got all the information and then make a play. I, I don't know what the right answer is, but it's uh, it's certainly it, it's not easy. All right, let's get into the games that we've got this week. We're going to, just like we did last week, we're going to go through all the games between, uh, I guess in this case, it's going to be Thursday and uh, next Tuesday. Uh, so we And then we'll be back next Tuesday night doing this all over again. But let's start with Thursday's game, theroofclaim.com. Boca Raton, is it Boca Raton or Boca Raton? I, I ask this every year. I'm not sure. Boca Raton. Boca Raton. As the, uh, that, that's how the Hispanics would say it, I feel. <laughs> Boca Raton. That's how, all the, uh, that's, how, that's how all the New Yorkers that go retired down there pronounce it. Okay. It's just, or it's just Boca. Okay, Boca. Retired to Boca. The Boca Bowl. Uh, 
let's let's go with Syracuse minus three against South Florida, looking like about a 56 and a half total. And Syracuse has a new coaching staff. Who knows what they're going to look like? It doesn't look like there are a lot of opt outs, which is is kind of nice. Um, South Florida feels like they're more of the team on the rise, like trying to, you know, take that next step. And Syracuse seems like they're, for lack of a better term, hitting the reset button. Um, I, I don't know if that, I, I don't know if that's a good thing for one team or the other. I mean, obviously Syracuse, the more talented team in general, but no Schrader for Syracuse. That's going to hurt. Not that he's anything special, but I think he could have done some damage in this game against a, a pretty shaky defense for for South Florida against the run and the pass. And then for South Florida, it's how good is is Byron Brown uh, at quarterback? I mean, he is for a G five quarterback, he's phenomenal. But Syracuse's defense is the reason they're in a bowl game. It's certainly not because of their offense. Their defense was very strong this season. Um, in general, it, it feels like this is a matchup of one team trying to figure out their offense without a quarterback under new coaches, and then the other teams taking the offense that they've got and going up against a better defense than they're used to seeing, which points me to an under really more than a side. Uh, this, I, th- I feel like this is sort of a, a rock fight game. What do you think? Uh, Syracuse is going to lean on the run. Uh, we know that Garrett Schrader is not going to play. Obviously, he had surgery. But LaQuint Allen, their running back, is going to play. And the UCF defense is terrible. Third worst in the country. 455 yards allowed per game. And their only win this season over a team that is playing in a bowl game was when they beat Rice. I don't want to remind us about that game because we had Rice in that game, AJ. But UCF, uh, USF doesn't beat I guess, you know, good teams. Uh, I I do obviously, you know, look at the coaching situation and Syracuse is going to be, you know, they're waiting for the Fran Brown era to get underway. But I do think the Syracuse players uh, are playing with a little bit of motivation here. Kyle McCord, the Ohio State quarterback, announced that he is transferring and going to Syracuse. So for the first time in a long time, Syracuse has a legit quarterback now. And I feel like it kind of pumps up the players that are going to be coming back next year to show why it's not a joke and maybe make Paul Feinbaum eat his words when he goes on his show and national television and he calls the Kyle McCord decision baffling and comical that he decided to go to Syracuse. So I think there's uh, the fact that these kids are going to play with a chip on their shoulder and they're just going to be able to run against a very, very bad South Florida defense. So you lean to Syracuse or you like Syracuse? I lean lean towards Syracuse, yes. All right, we are going to do the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl uh, at the end of the pod. That's going to go to the best bets. Let's move to Saturday, December 23rd. The 76 Birmingham Bowl. Troy, minus seven and a half. They will be taking on the Duke Blue Devils, total of 44 and a half. And we've got a couple of interim head coaches here. Uh, Mike Elko, gone to Texas A&M. John Sumrall takes the two-lane job uh, after, oddly enough, being a a legit candidate for the Duke job, which would have been super awkward uh, in this situation. But somewhere between six and nine starters look like they're going to be out for Duke. And again, that could change. Um, 
But this was one of the teams, Duke was a team that as soon as I, I said, I don't care who they're playing, I want to fade Duke when they play in a bowl. And they they drew Troy, and I said, this is perfect because I like Troy. Uh, this is one of the best G5 programs in the country. Um, I, I, I think it's getting now, outside of a touchdown, getting maybe a little uncomfortable for me. But Troy looks like they've got about everybody playing. They've won 10 straight games. Their only losses this year came at Kansas State and by two points to James Madison. Uh, I trust this Troy defense more than any unit on the field. Grayson Loftus, who's going to be playing instead of Riley Leonard for Duke, was a 53% passer this year when he was in there. Like I said, I think this is Troy, If you go, even the last two years, one of the top G5 programs in, in the country. And when you add up all the opt-outs, they're, they're not that far behind Duke from a talent standpoint. And then when you factor in, they don't like Duke doesn't have a big coaching edge anymore because we all loved and respected Mike Elko, but with him gone, I don't know. I don't know anything enough about these interim coaches to feel like there's a huge edge. So uh, I, even at seven and a half, I, I played some Troy early. I, I think even at seven and a half, I, I, I would only look at Troy. What do you think? So Duke wins on defense, and we we know that this year they are one in five when allowing more than twenty points. Think about that. The opponent scores three touchdowns. Duke loses the football game. And without Mike Elko coaching this game, with all the players opting out, Duke's going to allow three touchdowns. And so I think Troy's going to win this game. I don't like Duke here at all. There's upwards of double-digit players expected to not be playing in this game for them. Starters, I'm talking about. Uh, And Troy, they take pride in bowl games. They've won their last five bowl games. It means something to this program to play a power five school and and come away with a win in, in a postseason game. So Troy's the only way I look in this game. All right. We're going to save the Camellia Bowl for best bets as well. So let's go to the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. James Madison minus two and a half against Air Force, total of 41 and a half. And this is a weird spot because James Madison has lost their entire coaching staff. (laughs) They're all gone. And they've got a ton of players in the transfer portal. But there's also discussion that a lot of those guys in the portal are going to play anyway. Um, You know, they fought hard to get into this game. They campaigned to get into this game. They weren't supposed to be here. That gives me a little bit of pause. Air Force... You don't have any opt-outs or transfers, real big-time ones, because, that I mean, that's just what happens at service academies. You don't opt-out. You don't transfer, transfer, which is, to me, usually why you don't want to bet against service academies in bowl games. They're abs- they're very consistent. Air Force 5-1 and one straight up and ATS in their last six bowl games, dating back to 2014. That includes three straight wins as, as outright dogs. Um. <sighs> But with that, with James Madison, they don't know who their coaching staff is. Like, I get that this still means a lot to the players. And from an on-field standpoint, you see some advantages for James Madison. The key to, to beating Air Force is stop the run. James Madison stops the run. That's one thing they do. They're second. Or they're top five in most run-stopping metrics. This is going to end up being just a stay-away spot for me based on those things pulling me in opposite directions. I, I guess, if anything, I'd, I'd play the under in this game. Uh, just because I feel like James Madison is going to limit what Air Force does on the ground. And if you can do that, you're, you're talking about a low-scoring game. But I, it's hard for me to measure 
James Madison's motivation when their entire coaching staff is gone, and we don't really know for sure who's playing in this game. Well, that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, you mentioned the motivation, and I do think that's the reason why my early lean was on James Madison because of the motivation, because they were not allowed to play in their conference championship game, but because there was a lack of bowl-eligible teams, they petitioned, they pleaded, the, the, the fans got involved, and the NCAA said, yeah, you know what? Okay, we're going to let you into a bowl game. So now they have an opportunity to showcase themselves on national television and prove why they deserve to be in this situation. But with with all their players in the transfer portal, including the quarterback, Jordan McLeod, I can't trust who's going to play in this game. They say, just like Frank Harris said he was playing for UTSA, <laughs> they say that they're all going to play, but what happens if they only play the first quarter and that's it? it, it and, and that's what happens sometimes with these kids is they want to be out there with their teammates one last time, so they go through the preparation, they go through the pregame warm-up, they get out on the field, they do a couple of drives, and then they go change in the locker room and come out in street clothes and they're done for the rest of the game. So I can't trust anything that any player from James Madison says in this uh, situation with who's playing. I will say, though, the defense, you mentioned how good they are against the run. They are the first team since Wisconsin uh, or, or Wisconsin a couple of years ago that averaged uh, 61 rushing yards against James Madison, 61 and a half rushing yards against. Those are the best two numbers in in almost 20 years like that's how yeah. this team is a dominant defense and you know air force coming in on a four game losing streak they turn the ball over a lot james madison leads the nation in tackles for loss third in sacks so it's it's james madison or pass for me but it's it's got to be a pass because i can't trust who's playing all right let's uh let's go to the famous idaho potato bowl and we're looking at Utah State minus two and a half against Georgia State. It's another tough game to call uh, because we don't exactly know who's playing. Um, the opt-out discrepancy is huge in this game for starters. Georgia State rolled over and died in the second half of the season. Had a 6-1 and one start. Lost their last six games by an average of 23 points per game. I don't get the feel that anybody on this team wants to keep playing. <laughs> But I and I can't imagine there's going to be any fan support for them. And whereas it's a four-hour drive from Logan, Utah to Boise, you, you know there's going to be some Utah State fans there. That said, there's real questions for Utah State about who's going to play quarterback specifically. Cooper Lega and McKay Hillstead both got hurt against Boise in the in the second to last game of the season. That left Levi Williams to start the final game. He said he's not even playing college football next year. He wants to go be a Navy SEAL, and. I, I think he's going to be there for the bowl game. But again, I don't know for sure. And I don't know. I think I think Cooper Lega is too hurt to play. McKay Hillstead, I assume, would be the guy who's healthy enough to play if he can. He's he's dealt with a bum ankle a, a good portion of the season. He's been in and out. There's just a lot of uncertainty for me here. I want to back Utah State because I think Georgia State is a dead team. But it's there's just too many question marks. I think it's going to end up being a pass. What, what about for you? Yeah, without Marcus Carroll, who's the leading rusher for Georgia State, I don't know how they generate much of a, of a running offense. The guy had 1,350 yards and 13 touchdowns this year. So he was the, the key part of their entire offense. You mentioned it, it'll probably be a pro Utah State crowd. It's a closer there. Does Georgia State want to head to uh, you know Boise? And yes, it's going to be on the blue turf. 
but it's probably going to be cold <laughs> and they want to be there playing against a Utah state team. Um, I lean Utah State in this game specifically just because of more players missing for Georgia State than Utah State. But Utah State has lost to every single team with a winning record this year. Like they were 0 6 against bowl teams, and four of those six losses were by double digits. So I can't judge them against any type of talent. But then again, what is Georgia State, like I said, without Carroll on the field? And I just don't know. All right, lots of question marks in that game. Let's go to the 68 Ventures Bowl. So we have a 76 Bowl and a 68 Bowl. I feel like there's not a lot of creativity here, but all right. Uh, South Alabama minus 16 and a half against Eastern Michigan and total about 46 and a half. South Alabama's looked really good at times, like when they went to Stillwater and blew out Oklahoma State. That had to look good. And then they went, and lost at home to a garbage Central Michigan team. It's really hard to know what this team is. Uh, it looks like they're going to be without some pretty major weapons on the offensive side, namely LaDainian, LaDainian Webb, who's an NFL running back. Um, Colin Lacey is their top wide receiver. He's in the portal, which means he may or may not play. Here's the thing, though, and this is why the spread is so big. Eastern Michigan is by far the worst bowl team to, to make one of these games in my power ratings. I, in my power ratings, they are 120 out of 133 and they're in a bowl game. And that's when they have a quarterback right now. Austin Smith is in the portal. If he doesn't play, it's going to be EK Udinwu, who is their run package quarterback. He hasn't played since before Halloween, but he's dreadful. Like he can't throw the ball. Uh, no touchdowns, two picks on the season. And this is already one of the worst offenses in college football. I want to wait and see what the QB call is for for Eastern Michigan. And if Smith is out, I, I want to jump in on an under. I, like, I don't I don't like the idea of laying 16 and a half in a bowl game with a, a team that's missing parts. But with them missing, with USA missing maybe their two best weapons, Eastern Michigan's offense is terrible and, and maybe not even at full strength. Where do the points come from in this game? The game's in Mobile, Alabama. It's going to be a one-sided crowd. I would only look to play Southern Alabama or South Alabama, pardon me. But the the play I'm going to like here is the under. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got like a salary chopped up, and... Let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1. And all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and Five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. 
That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against with Pick 6? You're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. Yeah, I can get on the under with you because I don't think Eastern Michigan scores. Eastern Michigan's six wins came against five of probably the worst teams in college football, maybe yeah. six of the worst teams. Well, I know Howard's a decent team, uh, but they're an FCS team. Yeah, they're a good um, FCS team. <laughs> yes, yeah, they're a good FCS team. And um, But Eastern Michigan, without their quarterback, Austin Smith, I don't know how they score any points. Um, when South Alabama runs the football well, they dominate and they're going to be able to run the ball really well against Eastern Michigan. So I, I think this, I, I do think this spreads accurate. I think it's going to be a blowout game, but it could be one where South Alabama just, you know, meanders through and Eastern Michigan doesn't score anything. All right. Let's look at the SRS distribution Las Vegas bowl right here in our backyard. Scott, did you say Utes minus six and a half <laughs> against Northwestern? Uh, 41 and a half, the total, it's hard to want to back a Utah team that has won the pack 12 back-to-back years and played in the Rose bowl. And now they're in the Las Vegas bowl. And meanwhile, Northwestern has been just proving everyone wrong all season long. Everybody that was tripping over each other to get to under three and a half wins at the start of the year. And here they are with seven wins in a bowl game. And Utah, as they've, it seems like they've had most of the year, has questions at quarterback. Bryson Barnes is in the portal. As far as I know, he's expected to play. But if he doesn't, woof. Uh, Luke Batari, who we saw in the Colorado game, that that guy doesn't give you a chance against even Northwestern, a pretty solid Northwestern defense. Utah's going to be without their top wide receiver, opted out for the draft. Crowd edge is certainly going to be with Utah, but it won't be a home game. It's where they, I mean, obviously they've been unbeatable at home, damn near. I lean heavily to Northwestern, who won four of their last five games to get here, seem to have fewer questions about them and probably have a, a pretty big motivation edge here. Maybe I, I'd look at the under as well, but probably Northwestern would be my side. I'd like a seven, but at six and a half, I, I'd, I'd certainly lean to Northwestern. I'm on Utah. Uh, I, the coaching edge is is way too much for me, um, and the 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 lines are just a complete mismatch here. Northwestern's offensive line cannot pass protect. They don't have a good running attack. Utah fourth in the country against the run. They you know the pass rush is great. You know that the Utah defense is going to be great. They're going to uh, limit. 
you know, Northwestern. Plus, Utah's number one in the nation in, in time of possession. They're great on third downs on defense. They hold the ball on offense. Northwestern is not going to be able to score, and if they, and they're not going to be able to sustain drives. So Utah going to hold the ball all game. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Utah is going to win in cover. All right, let's look at the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. San Jose State minus 10.5 against Coastal Carolina, and San Jose State started off the season 1-5. and five. Basically, everybody wrote them off as a total disaster. They win their last six games of the season, and here they are in a bowl game, and they're going to Hawaii, where former Hawaii Warriors quarterback Chevon Cordero returns home to play his last college football game. I expect there's a nice crowd edge there for San Jose State. Um, and Carolina, Coastal Carolina's got uh, they've got a lot of opt-outs, including Grayson McCall. From my understanding, Third stringer Ethan Vasco is going to play uh, quarterback for the shots. Played in three games this year. He didn't play poorly, but they've got a ton of key players looking like they're opting out. It's hard to want to back Coastal for me here. San Jose's missing a couple guys on offense, but they seem much more motivated. And when you dig back into the schedule for San Jose, you look at those early season losses, and it's like USC, Oregon State, Toledo, Air Force, Boise, like – you understand why they started out one and five. They had their schedule was front loaded. Uh, they're much more used to this travel. They, they, you know, San Jose does this travel every other year. They're not going to treat this game like a vacation. Coastal might treat it like a vacation. Uh, so I, I like San Jose State here. What are you, what are you seeing? Well, they've already been there this year. AJ. Yeah, <laughs> a thirty-five nothing win. Um, so I think the players, uh, you're right, and, and that's kind of the biggest handicap in this game is it's not just a cross country trip. For Coastal, it's a multiple flight cross-country trip for Coastal, right? It's coming out to the West Coast. It's hopping on another flight and then going to Hawaii. Um, and, and, you know, Myrtle Beach is nice, but it ain't Hawaii, especially not this time of year. And for San Jose State, it's a, it's a business trip. It's a place where they've been, you know, just a couple of months ago and a place where they've won and a place where they've had success and a place where Cordero has played a lot and, you're right, has a ton of family and a ton of friends that are going to be in attendance there. You look at just the, the winning streak at the end of the season for San Jose State, it's it, it, it's not like they beat nobodies. They beat bowl teams. They beat good bowl teams. You know, win over uh, New Mexico, who's a decent, you know, a very improved football team. Uh, the win against UNLV on the road. The win against, uh, San, you know, San Diego State, Fresno State. Like, they, they came up with good wins. Um, so, I, I like I like the way that they're playing. I think that the trip and obviously being there before is huge. You always want to take that into consideration when you're looking at the Hawaii Bowl. And with Coastal down to, you know, Ethan Vasco and just running the football, they're not going to be able to keep up scoring-wise with, uh, with San Jose State. All right, sounds like we agree on this one. Let's look to Tuesday now, December 26th, the Quick Lane Bowl. Minnesota minus three and a half. Against Bowling Green, total of 39 and a half. Gross. Minnesota, already one of the worst offenses in the country, might be down to a third string quarterback. Uh, Bowling Green is going to be with, without some key guys on defense, but that was a side of ball that at least kept them competitive this season. You know, PJ Fleck is going to, he's going to stay sharp on the defensive side no matter who plays. I, I think the Gophers keep this ball on the ground, clock, clock keeps churning. They, they try and win. I don't know that they're going to cover three and a half. I, I think they're they're not worried about that. They're worried about winning. 
And Minnesota's offense is really not good enough to make anything explosive happen. Um, I, I think this is an under game. Keep in mind, if, if you do like, if you do want to look at a side and it means anything to you when you're handicapped, and Bowling Green went to Minnesota and beat them in their building last year, two years ago maybe, I, I lean to Minnesota, but I don't want to back them. So I, I'm going to stick with the under here. It's, it's going to be ugly. These are just two just atrocious offenses, but it's the only way I can look. And it's a low number, 39 and a half, but – uh, I, I, this feels like a Big Ten game. So let's acknowledge that Minnesota is only in this game because they got enough good, good grades, and they got good grades. They got in on an academic, uh, you know, pass. They were five and seven, not enough balls, well teams. So it goes by academics, and so Minnesota thinks, you know, hey, they they were good in the classroom, so they got to play in a bowl game. The problem is they have to go to MAC territory in Detroit and play against Bowling Green where those players take pride in playing in that stadium. Um, That's the side of the Mac championship every year. It's uh, a bowl game that they lost last year. So I think they want to avenge the loss last year and the strength of, of Bowling Green this year has been the defense taking away. They were second in the country with 27 takeaways. They, they came up with multiple turnovers, seven of their games, six of in six of their wins. So I think they're going to be able to force turnovers here against Minnesota. And uh, I like Bowling Green as a dog here in what is essentially a Mac home game. Nice. Big balls play there. Uh, I, I think it's just, I think it's going to be gross. I don't want to watch this game, to be honest. Uh, a game that I think will be fun is Texas State against Rice. Texas State minus four in the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. And you mentioned one of the times that Rice lost us some money, but generally Rice did us pretty well this year. Uh, they were a nice cover team. Texas State, good offense. Uh, you know, defense was rough at times. No JT Daniels, though, for Rice, which is a big concern. Um, Padgett played okay in spurts. I, I still think both these teams are going to be able to score. I'm a little nervous about I, – I think Rice should – like the the – the drop off that they're giving from Daniels to Paget may be too much. So maybe maybe it's gotten to where there's like a little bit of value on Rice here catching four. Uh, but I, I just think this is going to be back and forth, back and forth, and in a game that I think is going to go well over. There's not as much value in a, a short dog as you know as most games. So maybe the over would be the look for me, but I, I'd certainly lean to the Owls. I'm on the over because Texas State is high risk, high reward. They're going to throw the ball deep down the field. They're going to play with a a fast-paced attacking approach, and they're going to turn the ball over a bunch. (laughs) So they're going to score. Yeah, they're going to score, and they're going to turn the football over. So Rice, this is interesting. When they've allowed more than 21 points, they've only won one game this year. That's it. So they haven't been able to score and outscore their opponents. So that's why I would lean to Texas State here. But because Texas State's defense is bad, too, and they, they turn the ball over too much, I do think that Rice will have some short fields to work with, which I think will lead to some offense for them. So lean Texas State, but I like the over. All right, let's look at the guaranteed rate bowl. Kansas minus 12 and a half against UNLV. Total is 64 and a half. And there's another game I'm looking at the over in. And a lot of it is UNLV. That's something we saw, man. Their defense is, uh, how do we say Terrible. It? It's bad. Um, now, their their offense is awesome. 
and no one's gone and stolen Brett Marion yet, which is a great thing for UNLV. Someone did steal Kansas's OC. Looks like he's headed off to Penn State. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure what the play calling is going to look like for Kansas, but I, I don't know that it matters a whole lot against this UNLV defense. I, I think both of these offenses find plenty of success. Um, I, I think this game shoots over the total as well. You see anything different here? No, I, I think that UNLV showed that they, I mean, unless there was like a real onus on on defense and stopping the run, uh, I don't think that this game is going to be, uh, uh, I don't think they're going to stop anybody. I really don't. Kansas averages five and a half yards per carry. And in the losses, uh, what was it? 800, I think it was 878 yards and over five yards of carry in the last three games of the season for UNLV. So we're talking about losses. We're talking about Air Force. Well, Air Force is going, but the loss to San Jose State and the loss to Boise State, they got ran all over. And Kansas will be able to run. Um, I don't like laying the big number here because, you know, I think UNLV's offense is capable of putting up points. Yeah, I'd lean to UNLV. Yeah, the over would be the over would be my look here. All right, uh, let's get to best bets. Before we do, tell the people how they can save some cash at pregame.com, Scott. Not just save cash, AJ, but earn cash because we're giving a 100% bonus on your money at pregame.com. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you buy $50 of bulk dollars, and bulk dollars are money that you can spend on pregame.com that never expires. You can use it whenever on any purchase you'd like. It never expires. When you purchase $50 in bulk dollars, you're going to get $100 in bulk dollars. So that is a double your money proposition on pregame.com. So for only $50, you get 100 bulk dollars to spend any way you want on anything you want. Maybe you want to spend it on the extended holiday weekend or all access. It's available right now for $99 and you can only pay $50 for that. And what does that get you? Six days of all access from your favorite pregame pro through Christmas Day. So all the bowl games, all the NFL games, the NHL games, the NBA games, you pick your pregame pro and you'll get every pick over the weekend. And normally that costs $99. Well, with the 50 gets you 100 bulk dollar deal, it only costs you 50. Seems like a great deal to me. And it's only available at pregame.com. All right, Scott, your game, your best bet is on Friday, December 22nd. It's the only game. It's the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Georgia Tech against Central Florida. Central Florida minus four and a half. Total of 67. Where are you going for your best bet? I'm going to back the Knights here. UCF looked all the part of a Power 5 team in their first year in the Big 12. I know they lost their first couple of games in the conference, but they were also without their starting quarterback, John Reese Plumley. Also this year, they lost by one point at Texas Tech. They lost by two points at Oklahoma. So they proved that they can play with the biggest and baddest teams in the country. Oh, and they blew out Oklahoma State, who played for the Big 12 title game. The offense was the second best in the Big 12. They were fourth in the country overall in running the football. And one of the biggest things for me is the time off from the last game that they played till now. They've had several weeks where John Reese Plumley, their quarterback, has had the ability to heal his knee even more to the point where he gave an interview the other day and said that he doesn't even have to wear his brace anymore unless he's playing. Whereas a couple, like a month ago, he had to wear it all the time. So he's 
arguably as healthy as he's been. And this is his final college game. He's motivated to lead his team to a win. These teams played last year in Orlando. UCF won that game 27 to 10. John Reese Plumlee rushed for 100 yards and a touchdown in that game. In Tampa, it's going to be a pro-UCF crowd. They've played in that stadium and had success. Most recently, a blowout win over South Florida last year. In fact, they've won their last five games playing in Raymond James Stadium. That includes two Gasparilla Bowl wins in 2019 and 2021. I do think that the over is also a good play because there's going to be points in this game. Georgia Tech is absolutely going to score, but UCF is going to score more. So I like UCF to win this game and cover, lean towards the over, love UCF team total over. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you on the over. Uh, I I don't have a great feel for the side, and I'll tell you why in a second, but I, I do think there's a lot of score in this game. Uh, this is Central Florida, their first bowl game as a Power 5 team. I, I think that gets them pumped up. You know, uh, neither one of these teams has been particularly consistent. You know, there's been real good stretches and real bad stretches for both, but offensively, both have been pretty solid. Uh, the, the totals ticked up already, but it's the only way I'd look. The, all the, By the way, all the known opt-outs in this game are on the defensive side, all the, the major opt-outs. So I think the offenses will be in a rhythm. I love that UCF looked you know, dead in the water halfway through the season. And then we saw Plumlee get healthy and they won out to get into this game. I, I I like that. That makes me think they're motivated, but this is Georgia tech's first bowl since 2018 in under a first year head coach. It, like this is a, a, obviously a, a team that's going to be hyped to be here. So it's going to be no play on the side for me. I lean your direction. I, I do like the over in this game, but uh, I, I, now that it's your best bet, I'll certainly be cheering for Central Florida to cover the four and a half. For my best bet, we're going to go to Saturday. Sneaking in there in the morning, Camellia Bowl. No sponsor. Why didn't we do the straight out of Vegas Camellia Bowl? That would have been a <laughs> uh, big success for us, I feel. Uh, Arkansas State minus two and a half against Northern Illinois. And I'm going to go Arkansas State minus two and a half as my best bet in the Camellia Bowl. Digging through the transfer stuff, the only name that jumps off the page as a guy who really matters is Trayvon Rudolph. He's the best player on the NIU offense and the best return man. Was in the portal, has withdrawn for the portal. I'm assuming he's going to play, but there's a question there, which is already, that's good news to me if he's a question mark. Arkansas State's offense early in the season was disgusting. They got blown out in a couple games early. And then they made a switch to quarterback. They give it to a freshman, Jalen Rayner, and they have taken off since then. And even if NIU does have Rudolph, this is one of the worst passing offenses in the country. If they fall behind, there's just not a path for them to get back into the game. Rocky Lombardi has thrown a touchdown in half of Northern Illinois' games this season. Uh, like it's just not it's not enough in today's college football to keep up when when you don't have a passing offense and more than anything I like the Sun Belt a lot more than I like the MAC you've got two middle of the pack teams in their conferences here two six and six teams one of them played a Sun Belt schedule one of them played a MAC schedule I just trust a team in the much better conference that seems like the way to look to me and Butch Jones the coach of Arkansas State six one and one. ATS in bowl games that tells me he takes these seriously that's enough for me to know that they are going to care so give me Arkansas State minus two and a half in the Camellia Bowl as my week two best bet for bowl season 
The Red Wolves. All right, AJ, I'll root for you. All right, that will do it for week two. Once again, we'll be back uh, next Tuesday for the week three breakdown, which I think will take us all the way through uh, everything but the national championship game. So it may, it may very well be our last college football pod because we, when we've got a standalone game, usually we just do it on straight out of Vegas. So we're going to send you there if you want our thoughts on the championship game. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening again. And hopefully you, uh, again, hopefully you don't get the opt-outs go your way is all I'll say. That's, that's all we can hope for now is the opt-outs go our way. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your work, Scott. And we will talk to you guys next week.